Hello and welcome to IEEE Soft Robotics Podcast. In this podcast, we are going to interview researchers from both academia and industry about their work, thoughts, spectrum, and more beyond that. This is Marwa Edwini, and I hope you will find this podcast useful. If you would like to connect with us, simply send us, and we will be happy to hear from you. And here is my interview. Thanks. So I would like to ask you first how you would like to define yourself for the audience maybe first time listening to you. Yeah, I am biologist as background, actually marine biologist. Mm -hmm. And uh, I started my research in the field of uh, biophysics, uh, studying the impact of uh, pollutants like uh, mercury and uh, heavy metals on the, the environment and the human health. And then I move to engineering, to the engineering side. I have a PhD on uh, microsystem engineering. And then uh, I start work first with the microsystems, in particular uh, microfabricated sensors, again, for the environment, uh, air quality. And then I move to the service robotics, in particular, again, for uh, water detection and uh, air detection. And uh, finally, I start to work in the field of biospirosoft robotics. And so I try to merge the biology and the engineering. Yeah. Great. So first of all, I'm curious to ask you the transition from biology to engineering. I don't know what's challenging for you, this decision to do it after being established in biology field. I'm curious about this transition, how the decision to do that. It was quite difficult in the, in the beginning, you can imagine, especially... Um, I mean, uh, the, the scientific approach, the method uh, are quite different and also the terminology. So the, the first point was trying to understand each other with my colleagues. when I started, uh, the, the, I mean, I was together with uh, engineers mainly. And so the first challenge was try to really uh, investigate uh, the, the problem from an engineering point of view and try to better understand you know, the, 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 the problems from that perspective. So this was really the, the challenge. And the idea was, uh, as I said, uh, I was this training in uh, biology and biophysics. And then uh, I did an international master on uh, environmental management at the Scuola Superiore Sant'Anna. And this was the way in which uh, I entered in contact with uh, uh, Professor Paolo Dario at that time that look for biologists to collaborate and try to develop technologies for environment. And so I started to work in this field. And after, I mean, after understanding how to approach mm -hmm. the field, I can say that is really exciting and motivating for me because you can see the the problem from different perspectives and this is very interesting so you can really um, understand and use your background to better understand the, the problem from uh, also an engineering point of view mm. and this was uh, great but I have to say that the beginning was quite difficult in fact <laughs> it was not simple yeah. yeah interesting but I'm curious to ask you uh, what could be in that experiences you have uh, the biggest question or hard problem, you still don't know how to answer them. Maybe from biology, since you're merging both of them, but still hard to find an answer or even understand them. 
of course, as I say, that it's not easy to merge these two. I mean, not only biology and engineering, but different disciplines together. Now, because I, fundamental to try to understand each other. So the the language that we use in the scientific language is fundamental. The terminology, having a really uh, an open mind, no, and to be contaminated <laughs> from the other the other fields, from the other uh, disciplines. Yeah. Um, so uh, the, another challenge that uh, I had to face uh, uh, at least uh, ten years ago, more or less, was when I, I proposed, in fact, to the community uh, plants <laughs> as a model. Uh, this was another challenge because uh, um, these organisms, in fact, uh, are often not considered as a model for uh, for technology. You know, because we our perception of these uh, living organisms is uh, uh, usually that they are. Uh, quite static, uh, non, there are no uh, capability to interact with the environment or to communicate and also. And so the question at that time was uh, why you want to take inspiration from plants to develop the robots? No? So what is the reason? Yeah. And uh, especially I start with uh, soil, I mean, the problem of soil exploration. And so the, the, the point was there are many animals that can do that, why you yeah. want to propose plants. But now I have to say that uh, there are many groups that work on that. And so they start to consider plants as a model and uh, especially in the concept of growing uh, uh, capabilities. So we can really open new, new fields, uh, now take inspiration from this uh, this model. And so something's changing, mm -hmm. actually. Also in the perception in general of uh, biology and emerging biology into artificial uh, uh, field. So the, the, the approach is completely different uh, uh, with respect to 10 years ago. Yeah. yeah, but I'm curious to go in the starting point to propose the idea of using plant, because you said that people think that's crazy. Why you, you choose that? inspiration and that's leave me question when we design soft robots for example and try to get this inspiration from the nature what are the elements you look for what kind of question you ask for example when you start to think about plant what kind of question lead you that's had the potential here and that prove people that's right yeah, the, 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 there are many now questions that we are trying to, uh, I mean, and problem that we are trying to solve, uh, take inspiration from plants. But the first, the original question was uh, how we can monitor soil in a, by, by developing robots that move autonomously in this medium. That is very complex. So it's very heterogeneous. Uh, there are high pressure, high friction, and very few centimeters of the soil. And so um, this was uh, uh, really uh, one um, point in which I, I, I tried to merge my competence in biology together with engineering, because I say the look, uh, the, the living organism that is better adapted to, the, to, this, uh, uh, to this extreme environment uh, is the, the plant, because they can create with their roots, they can create a network, they can penetrate in a very capillary way the soil. Um, they have a behavior because they can grow uh, following or escaping from environmental stimuli. Um, they can communicate. This is also very interesting from an artificial point of view because they create a network with uh, other plants, uh, also mediated by fungi. 
and uh, other organisms. So they create a really a, a sort of wood wide web. They create a, a complex network in soil to be much more effective and efficient in soil exploration. So the point is more from a technological point of view, how we can translate all this idea, I mean, this performance in an artificial system, but no doubt that they are the best organism adapted to this environment. And so the point was, uh, starting from the observation, and this is another challenge mm. since they move in soil. So how we can observe the dynamics of the movement, so the strategy that they adapt uh, to move in soil, since they move in soil, mm. <laughs> under soil, so there are very few techniques that uh, we can use to observe the dynamics of the movement, but this is exactly what we need to translate then this feature into control or artifact that able to, to grow, to move in soil. And so what we, we start exactly by developing setup for the observation of the root movement. The observation is fundamental, is the first you know, step of the scientific method. So we need to observe the movement, the strategy of living organism to understand how they adapt to a specific environment. And so we developed this setup uh, also using uh, uh, time-lapse video. So we can record the video, then we accelerate the movement. Uh, we can use a different uh, uh, soil. Of course, there are mainly artifacts, especially uh, phytogel or transparent uh, soil in order to observe and uh, is a simplification we know <laughs> that is a simplification but we need for I mean observing the the dynamics of the movement and and then uh, was a very a long process uh, also to understand the the main important features and the secret in the movement of the root in soil because initially we uh, imitated some parts, some uh, function, the roots, but they were not the, the real secret. Uh, that is in fact the, the growing. So they move uh, by growing, uh, not only in soil, but also in the uh, upper part in the shoot. So they add the new cells by cell division in the root. So in the apical part of the root. And then, uh, and this is very important as well, they absorb the water from the environment. And so it's a sort of hydraulic system and they push the tip into the soil. And they also uh, deform, I mean, adapt the morphology to the external environment. So they can change the diameter, they can produce a hertz for anchoring soil. So there are many features you know, that are fundamental for the natural organism. And then now we are trying to imitate in our artificial system, but understanding that these are the, the, the main point, the main features that we need to translate uh, require time and uh, a lot of experiment, you know, a lot of hypotheses, a lot of prototypes that <laughs> didn't work also. And so we learn by doing because sometimes you don't have a data from a biological point of view that you can immediately translate into specification in the art artifact. 
And now there are many other points that we are starting to consider from, from the plans. That's very interesting. But maybe the first question I would like to ask you, what does it take so that you can answer the secret, how, how would they actually work? And you mentioned also sometimes, I think it related to embodied intelligence, whether should it be the brain or the body or beyond both of them. And you mentioned the exhibit intelligence example for the social bodies. So how does it work when you try to understand how they can adapt their morphology? What does it take to answer how it's happening or the missing pieces here to understand how, how it happened? Of course, again, uh, they are a very great example because they don't have a brain at all. Uh, but they, they have a, we can call a, a sort of distributed control that are um, mainly in the apexes, not only in the root, but also in the, in the, in the shoot, as I said. And this is a very interesting because uh, they perceive the environment, but they have uh, many epixes that perceive several uh, um, targets, several uh, stimuli at the same time. So um, it's quite complex to take a decision without a brain. So because this is exactly, and so we can understand, it's a, a sort of platform you know, for, for us to understand how we can design our robot in which the, the body is an important role interacting with the external condition reply to uh, certain stimuli, um, implementing also some uh, smart behavior, for example, based on priority uh, or phenotype, how this priority changes on the base of the external uh, condition, the base of the internal needs. And so uh, since uh, in this model, there are no brain at all, we are forced to consider the role of the body the sensing, the interaction with the environment, uh, and without con considering a central unit, you know, that take a decision uh, higher level, because in this case it's a more distributed uh, control, and the internal communication, the external com communication to optimize the the strategy to survive, because this is the goal of all the living organisms when they have to adapt to. Uh, any environment, especially a stream environment. So for us, it's a perfect platform to improve our uh, learning strategies. So how we can uh, develop softer robots that uh, also exploit the environment to reduce the complexity of the control. This is another big challenge. And again, now with a recent project, we are using, for example, plant seed exactly to, as a model to develop softer robots that move into the environment without any control. But the control is embedded in the arrangement of the materials and their capability to interact with external conditions, especially humidity, temperature, but also wind and other external conditions. And so uh, we are, for example, uh, imitating the drilling capability of seed or the flying capability of seed that are only given by the materials, the structural material and other material that absorb and absorb the water and this absorption and desorption work from an artificial point of view as a sensing and as an actuator at the same time. 
So we can implement multifunctional uh, capability in our robots, again, take inspiration from this model. And this is an extreme, if you want, a concept of morphological computation. There are many examples, not only in plants, of course, but plants for me is a, really, as I said, a platform of study to investigate a completely different behavior since you know, they don't have a brain. So I cannot use in my robot a centralized control since you know, I take inspiration from plants. So I, as I said, I'm forced to find another solution and to use the environment in the design of this robot. Yeah, that's very inspiring. But you mentioned many interesting points. The first one about using that kind of list control and make the body do most of the work. How do you see this point? Because I think that's something also in the community and even in rigid robotics, how we can exploit this kind of physics and also the nature dynamics of the material and less control. How you manage to balance both of them, the control and morphology? I think that there are many, of course, many approaches. You know, there are not just one. Uh, may I say that uh, I I am very inspired by the natural organism in the sense that I try to see how they can do that, uh, and um, we all, as a living organism, we use the environment in our movement, in our interaction, because this means. Uh, really reducing the complexity of the control. There are some, uh, also in, in robotics, of course, some model like the octopus that is another example, example in which we can see the importance of the exploitation of the environment for reducing the control. But also, again, we can see that this animal has a lot of neurons, the most of the neurons in the arms, not in the brain. Again, because probably there are no evidence in biology, but probably this is the reason, since the body is really complex because there are infinite degree of freedom, there are no rigid skeleton in the body, so they can bend in any direction. They have the suckers, they can control each sucker, so they use it as a sort of fingers. So probably such a morphology need more than one brain, need a lot of uh, uh, control distributed in the body, and also needs the body that interacts with the environment to help in the control. This is much more evident in plants because the morphology is still more complex. There are millions or epics also in a very simple plant. And in this case, there is no brain at all. So as I said, it's very important to see how they can use, exploit the, the environment, like, as I said, the humidity, the temperature, the interaction with the other organism. So in the case of the plant, if you consider the forest, there is an emergent intelligence also given by this network that they establish not only internally to the same plant, but with other plants, with other organisms. So the, the flux of the information is shared with other organisms. So really from this uh, extreme example, because this is the case, and also we can take a 
completely new idea. At the end, there is a sort of philosophy, you know, that it's not only robotics, robotics, but it's also some advice in looking at nature to develop a new robot, but also try to take the the the, the lesson from them to to be more effective in design this artificial system. It's quite complex because there is no, as I said, a, a unique approach. There is not a, a, a book that you can read and not to understand how to translate nature in uh, artifact and technology, but you can learn by doing, by, by also exploiting different approaches, uh, diff by experimental trials that are fundamental from my side to extract the data from nature to quantify you know, some phenomena. And this is also the difference from uh, a biological approach uh, and uh, an engineering approach. You know? So in engineering, we need to quantify the phenomena, extract the numbers that then are translated into specification. So from this uh, collaboration of these two different uh, uh, you know, uh, world, the different disciplines, we can really learn each other because also in biology we can uh, really understand some phenomena in the in the biological systems using by using the the robots by using the the, the this uh, bioengineering approach so it's really a continuous learning from both the sides yeah that's very interesting but i think the question i think with the community ask how we can use living material like planet with artificial one. And the question is how they can really continuously learning and adapt to, to the design because in, in soft robotics sometimes we speak about how we can design the sensing capabilities, assuming we have passive material, no smart material. And it's quite a serious trade-off between how you embed the sensing in the material and make sure it's stable as well. At the same side, we have the planet. They figured out how to do that in a nice way and could yeah, just sense and have the body as well. Absolutely, this is another important point that I think soft robotics uh, is addressing uh, can address, you know, because it's a quite a different approach with respect to the uh, traditional robotics. So the, the um, many groups that work in soft robotics uh, are really uh, inspired by natural organisms. So and this means also generating new materials that embed. Uh, sensing functionality. This is one of the challenge of the, our community. You now all of us uh, try to integrate uh, uh, different sensing properties, in particular tactile uh, properties, but not only, you know, how we can perceive the external uh, environment, also proprioception, you know, by developing such kind of material. And in fact, is fundamental the collaboration with the aspect of uh, material, because they, in many cases, they already solve our problems. So they already develop, uh, for example, material with uh, sensing property embedded you know, in, the, in the structure, but also materials that are, for example, biodegradable or reusable. This is another point that uh, our community um, has to address in the future, developing technology that is much more sustainable and this means also that our materials, but also the electronics, the energy 
should be more integrated uh, into natural ecosystems. Because uh, many of us uh, have uh, as a target uh, in terms of application, the exploration of the environment uh, or agriculture or environmental monitoring. So this means that we need to develop technology that at the end are fully integrated natural ecosystem. But this, again, this means that we have to reduce the impact, the negative impact of technology into natural system. And so the key point is developing material with more functionality. And so also in my group, we are trying to work in this direction, but there are many groups that work on this. And also how we can develop a continuum, for example, structure, um, or growing structure, this is our challenge. So how I can develop a, a continuum structure that also embeds sensing properties. This is one of the challenges that we are facing. But at the same time, this structure that maybe I use for detecting parameters in soil or in air or in different condition cannot then at a certain point be released in the environment and contaminate the environment because this is not more the way in which we have to develop technology. So we needed to consider the final, not so the cycle or our technology starting from the design phase, no more at the end, because otherwise you know, the risk is to continue to release technology in the environment and create contamination. So there are many aspects. So this is increased the complexity. Mm -hmm because there are many functionality that you have to consider. So sensing is the first, but then structural properties is not only the sensing, but maybe you have to consider material that give the, the, also the structural functionality to the robot, and then the capability to interact with external condition, reduce the impact. So, so there are many points that we have to consider now in the design phase. That's a very, really important point, and I would like to thank you for mentioning that. But I think coming back to the design, because I think that's what, why we design what we design. And you mentioned that this obligation that we make sure at the end of the day what we develop is safe or biodegradable. And it made a lot of complexity, because in research sometimes we tend that to publish as the result as it comes, and we don't consider that consequences are behind what we do. And it happens sometimes, and there's a pressure to it works, it's okay, let's get it published, but it takes a lot of time to figure out this question. And it takes time, apparently. So how do you see this kind of a changing? Because I think that's something needs to change it though. Uh, and you have a lot of expertise in that. So what are your thoughts about that? What kind of things do you think we have to address in the design process to make sure we're going at least in the right direction overall? Yes, so you touch a very important point, you know, because of course we have to publish. So there are many pressure you know, in our work. Um, but I think that in design, in the, during, uh, the design of our robots are fundamental, is a, a crucial uh, part of our work. And uh, so in addition to the point that I have already mentioned, this means that we have to consider also the energy aspect during the design. And this is, of course, obvious, but it's not so obvious when then we develop our system. So taking in consideration the, the energy needed for 
operating, especially in real field, of course, this is the point, uh, in extreme conditions. So, um, and again, I think that if we are able to really see the, 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 the crucial point from a natural organism, again, they can help on this. Not because the living organisms are perfect or they, are, uh, they don't have a problem in terms of energy, because they have, of course, but they need to save energy in certain point because otherwise they die. And so also at the design level, we can really understand and try to identify what is needed also from an artificial point of view. This process is really complex because as I said, you know, I, at least for me, uh, when I identify the mode, the living model that I want to imitate to try to address a specific problem, then the next step is really to understand what are the features that are relevant to solve my problem. And it's not so evident because in a natural organism, there are many functionalities that are not relevant for, for us in the artificial world. But they need they need for the for the, the I mean uh, replication for you know, the uh, surviving a certain environment for eating uh, you know, for the reproduction and so so there, there are many aspects that are relevant for a natural organism that probably are not relevant for us for the artificial counterpart. But looking at the strategy implemented to save energy is another point that we can try to integrate in our design. And this is very, very complex from my point of view. I try to do with our, I mean, with my, my group, uh, especially in these recent uh, uh, projects that we have, as I say, the, the, the not only plants, we also have a soft animals that we are investigating. So how uh, these organisms save energy interacting and doing something in the in the environment and doing something in the in their in their uh, habitat and also this is the the crucial point uh, and uh, but i think that this is another point that we need to consider energy energy is uh, crucial for developing robots autonomous robots for real environment and uh, materials again can help a lot because if we increase uh, the, the functionality, the performance of the material, we can probably reduce a part of the, the energy needed for operating in a real environment. It's not only material, of course, but it's a very, it, it's an important part of the process. That's very excellent, yeah. But going back to the soft robotics center, we speak about how we can design them robust and reliable and also for uncertainties, and I'm curious about when it happened to in the planet like damage or failure. I don't know how they adapt to that. So, from perspective of a design, how we can I don't know can we design soft robot that more robust, like a plant? How they can resist this uncertainty like damage or anything? Do you have any explanation for that? There are some groups, as you know, that work in this, again, as a material, we are not really uh, addressing this point, but I think that is uh, one of the crucial points for the future, for example, implementing again in the, in the material that means also material 
integrating a robot uh, um, the self-healing properties for example because this is a, an important characteristic that um, some groups in soft robotics uh, start to consider and uh, i think that these uh, properties will change the way in which we also develop our robot because they, at the end they will be more robust of course the process is not so short because we need to understand how then to integrate the material and use this material inside i mean in in a robot not only you know, as a building blocks that are or in a laboratory condition in which you can recreate the structure by using temperature or other stimuli you know even if there are a lot of progress in this sense so many groups now use uh, I mean, ambient uh, temperature that is fundamental to, to be more close to the real application. So there are a lot of advances in, uh, in this field. But then we need to move to the, to the robot. And uh, this feature probably will be one of the, the most important features in the future to, to be more uh, robust in an in a extreme environment. The other feature that we could consider for our robot, of course, and not for all of them, but is the, to be redundant. This is another feature that are, we are investigating again in plant, since they really, uh, they can colonize any environment, also very extreme environment. They can be attacked by uh, enemy or by also uh, vivorous uh, you know, animals and so on, because they are redundant. And this means to be very robust for also extreme environment. So in some cases, probably we could also consider this redundancy also in our robot, uh, for example, also for the control or for the body or for other characteristics of the, of the, the robot, because the redundancy means, means that even if a, a part is damaged, the, the system continues to work. So there are some... Uh, uh, Yes, some feature that maybe in the future could be relevant also for us. Yeah, that's very interesting about the redundancy. And yeah, I can't agree more that. But yeah, that's uh, very true. But I guess if there is any something was counterintuitive, maybe through your research in, in the plant. So when you try to understand them or you expect this a behavior in a certain way, but it was counterintuitive or surprising you didn't expect this behavior when you try to, yeah. Oh, this is one of the, the, the big challenge that we have and also understand them, uh, as I said, because it's very difficult to observe. Some movements in plants are too fast, <laughs> so you have to decelerate, and others are too slow, and many of them are too slow, so you have to accelerate, and, uh, or they grow, as I said, in soil, so it's not possible to see directly the movement since they are slow, but also because they are in a medium that are very complex. So there are many challenges in, in uh, not only in translating such a function in robots, but also in first really understand the, the living organism. And I really like this challenge because I really like it to, I am biologist, of course. So for me, it's also important to understand how the, the living organisms work. It's a part of my research. And my, my dream, if you want, and my challenge in the future is more and more use robots for this goal. 
I think that we could open the, in the future new market that is dedicated to that. So the robot that become tools for scientists as a microscope. <laughs> so robot in the future, more and more robot plus uh, uh, AI, because uh, you can also increase the complexity in the behavior of our robot also merging uh, strategies that come from the you know, artificial intelligence. And uh, so you could use this as a, as a tool uh, more and more. There are some examples, but uh, in already in, uh, in our field. So there are some groups that uh, also we try to do that. So there are some, some groups, experts that try to use uh, robots, also simple robots, to test some hypotheses in the biological field. But probably the, in the future, this probably will become a, a new market. No, so uh, not only specific application that for sure we can open because soft robotics can open. Uh, it's still an, in an early stage probably. There are many problems that we need to address, but already now we see the potentiality of this community since we can open new scenario that now is, are not addressable from the other robotics so that uh, works very well. You know? So that what we call traditional robotics uh, already uh, change our life, you know? the, the, the way the, in which we develop our uh, machines, uh, our, you know, many stuff of our society are developed by industrial robots or we can explore uh, no, the, the space of you know, deep sea by using robots. So, that they are already uh, very important uh, uh, tools uh, in our hands. But in the future, with soft robots, they can, we can really open new scenario um, in a medical field, in the exploration, in industrial context, because we could use the robot for extreme condition also in industry. There are many situations in which uh, rigid robot cannot operate because of the, the environment is really uh, unstructured also in industrial context. So the, there are many opportunities. Of course, we need to create more and more also industry companies that work in this field. But I think that uh, another possibility is to use it for science. Yeah. Use the software robots, bio-inspired robots for science and uh, close the loop, you know, if you want, yeah. back to biology. This is one of the, yeah, the, the, one of the opportunity that we have involving yeah. more and more scientists in the field. I think that they are more and more attracted by our community. I think mm -hmm. so. Right, yeah. But I'm curious about the growing aspect because I think that the community, how how you think this kind of growing capabilities could be more challenging if we speak about the future integrated living material with the robot and they can grow. What aspects could be challenging here? There are many, of course, in the growing, there are many because uh, uh, you have to create a, a body, a structure, starting in only from, uh, in, in our case, from an artificial tip, and then you have to deposit material not to create the body. And so there are many, many functionality that you have to implement, as I said, the, the functionality in the material, the 
uh, adaptation capability of the robot on the base of the external uh, condition. But for the moment, we are just using artificial uh, structure, artificial material. Um, the idea is to develop a bio-hybrid system in which you use living tissue uh, is another hypothesis. Of course, uh, um, the problem here is how we can interact with uh, the, the bio part. You know? So what I mean is, uh, uh, of course, a, a root, a plant uh, works much better than my robot. No doubts about that. But the way is uh, how can I can communicate with the plant also to understand what the plant perceives in the environment or also guide the plant in one direction or another direction. Of course, I can do this with a robot. And so the application is much more clear. It's much more challenging with a, a living system. So the developing also interface to communicate, to understand, is not only a communication, is understand the, and that we are trying to do that with the soft electrodes. So we are moving also in this direction, especially uh, monitoring the electrical signal inside the plants. They, they use also this kind of communication, especially because they are fast communication with respect to the chemical signal, like in our cases. And so interpretation of the information that they collect, this is also another crucial point. In addition to maintain alive the tissue, because this is also very important, especially when you have to develop this bioidentity system for moving soil, for example, in which maintaining you know, the, the structure, the interaction with also the artificial part, or only using the living system, but this means that you need to communicate in some way with the plants and this is a really at least for me it's a really something very far uh, and so for the moment unfortunately i have to develop the robot because there is no alternative for now mm -hmm. that's interesting so since we close the end and have few questions maybe the first thing i would like to ask you what kind of the trade-off you still have and you can't really get rid of that. Because sometimes in the community, we speak about that trade-off and design the material with kind of mechanical performance and response time. Of course, it depends what kind of material, what kind of uh, yeah, project you have, but what kind of trade-off in terms of the Lantoid project was kind of you can't get rid of, or you can't figure out how you can close this trade-off? Yeah, uh, I mean, uh, the, there are many in the sense that for the moment, uh, the, the main point that we try to obtain is uh, uh, um, this uh, growing, as I said. And also, but there are other uh, simplifications that we know that are simplification, like uh, the fact that the robot now is not, for example, able to um, use the environment, exploit the external condition to be more effective in the penetration. So we know that we need this behavior and that we are working on that, but the, the, the first point is uh, uh, how we can obtain a, such functionality. You know? So for the moment, we pushing more on the uh, growing by adding new material, but we know that at a certain point uh, we have to exploit the environment 
especially water in soil, for example, to be more effective because this is a, exactly, so it's a material, first of all, because the material are fundamental uh, also in my robot. So means that have uh, structural properties because you have to create a structure. They can uh, interact with external condition, especially in terms of humidity variation. At the same point, they have to perceive the external environment. So these are the main functionality. And so we try not to move following this direction in our... And so there are many compromises and many trade-offs that we have to face along this path. No, because so we are trying to to develop some prototypes uh, and then we know that we have to go beyond following these uh, specification yeah. we can say yeah and of course when you try to think about pushing the capabilities of what you try to inspire from like the plant when you try to think with yourself what i can do that beyond what we see in nature because it's we, it's adaptable design adaptable way what kind of thoughts you have as like crazy ideas what I mean, there are many here in this <laughs> crazy idea, I have to say. But one of the crazy ideas, for sure, as I say, that is to um, create uh, and, uh, the body with, with external uh, uh, soil or material that we have. So this is one of the crazy ideas that we are trying to push in. And uh, so, and... Uh, Again, uh, try to, there are many organs that do that, uh, especially in soil, and, um, but not only in soil, also in the marine environment. So try to use the external, uh, the external environment to create mm -hmm. a you know, uh, body or part of the body. It's a crazy idea, but I mean, Natural organisms can do that, so we can see how we can, uh, if we can imitate them in, yeah. uh, in doing such crazy <laughs> stuff. So question left. The first one, I don't know if you have moment of doubt. How you deal with doubt? Do you have doubt when you do research? How we deal with that? Of course, many doubts, many, many. Mm. As, uh, many also when, uh, especially when uh, I say, you know, uh, when I propose uh, this idea, when you have uh, especially trained young people and uh, you propose uh, this strange stuff, uh, no, especially now I'm more confident because there are many groups in the world that study uh, biology or I mean study, they, they push away in the, in the direction of soft robotics, bioinspired soft robotics. So now I say, oh my God, probably now it's not so wrong. But when I start, I had many doubts because uh, when you have a, a young group you know, with the young people and they have to trust you, you know? so you are proposing something completely not out of the box and uh, is very strange. And so you say, oh my God, they have to discuss a thesis. They have to do the, the PhD you know, in these topics. So maybe are completely wrong and there are no, no story in this direction. And so, especially when I have a lot of doubts when my ideas involve other people because you know, I share the risk with them. And so it's a responsibility. 
And then, of course, there is many doubts because uh, sometimes say, oh my God, maybe this is wrong. Uh, I'm saying something that is not completely uh, clear or demonstrate. And also, I mean, I think the doubts are fundamental in our, in our work because it means that you refine the idea in some way. No? So the, to be completely... Uh, sure about the, the statement about what we uh, propose uh, i don't know if uh, completely positive you know in the sense of course you have to start from something but having doubts means that you try to revise also your opinion and to maybe re better refine on the approach or something like that but as i said my doubts are in particular when uh, especially in the past, of course, also now, but especially in the past and the beginning when I proposed the first time, you know, such a kind of idea and the people look at me <laughs> a strange way and say, oh my God, what I have to do? <laughs> and uh, yes, but I think uh, in a certain point, uh, having doubts uh, is fundamental in life yeah. in general. <laughs> Thank you for sharing that. Yeah. Lastly, I don't know what could come, kind of advice you re received and was a life changing, maybe through your career or life, and it stick to your mind every day. Yeah. From my parents, for sure, uh, working hard and uh, also enjoy what you are doing, but uh, in particular, uh, having respect for the others. This was uh, one of the main. Uh, advice from my my parents and uh sometimes say oh my god why they say that no but uh, i think because it's very difficult uh, no follow this uh, this path but i really thank them uh, for this advice because uh, they i mean they guide me in my not only in my career but also yes my life and my career at the end are very close you know because we spend a lot of time and we love our job and so i think that it's very important to respect the other people uh, because at the end you are much more happy you know and uh, yeah. and so these uh, these advice are for me fundamental and were in the past uh, they will be in the future. Wonderful. I don't know if you have any final words you would like to say for the community before we close. Of course, uh, I invite all the members of the community to attend the next conference that will be in Edinburgh, hopefully in person, and um, the general chat together with Adam Stocks. And so, yes, enjoy our, our work and try to be more and more uh, curious and uh, try to do great stuff as uh, we are doing so i'm waiting for all of them <laughs> thanks so much Barbara. i think that was very inspiring and thank you for doing that